0: Welcome to Discursion Film Podcast. We've decided this is episode six. After researching how many episodes we've done, (laughs) bit of confusion behind the scenes. Uh, Today we're talking about the Marx Brothers' Duck Soup, um, classic talky American comedy. My name is Stephen. Uh, I'm Dominic. And I also should introduce our special guest, uh, Polly Rose, who is a doctoral researcher and film editor. I believe you... um, you speak at Slapstick Festival this year? Did you
1: do that? I,
2: th- I introduced Battling Butler, yes. Mm. Keaton film at Slapstick this year.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh. I was going to say what Polly doesn't know, that Buster Keaton probably isn't worth knowing. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I do have a Buster Keaton Marsh Brothers fact, which I will give you later. Oh! More, more than one.
0: That and more. <laughs> um, <laughs> can't wait. In today's podcast episode. Is this our first comedy? Yeah, it might well be, unless you want to count the uh, uh, bit of Japanese. We, f- you know, sort of flirted with the Japanese comedy, didn't we? But, That's true. Uh, House is a comedy horror. Yeah. Um, but this is more. Yeah. Is this a comedy horror? <laughs> is this a comedy <laughs> horror? Maybe it's a comedy disaster film.
2: I think that the um that yes the. I don't have to avoid spoilers, do I?
1: No, no. Also, one of our one of our principles is like Excellent. yes, not to avoid spoilers. So, exactly. not that the plot of Duck Soup is perhaps it. No,
2: um, but yes, the ending. I <laughs> the ending of the film could definitely be described as a disaster movie. I think, or probably <laughs> many disaster movies brought together in in one disaster movie.
1: Had you seen it before,
2: Polly? I had seen it. i not. I haven't seen this um, this new version, this new restoration. Um, but I had, yeah, I'd I'd seen the the film itself before. It was very nice to see it again. I do enjoy the mayhem of um, Duck Soup.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, we're watching the um, Blu-ray release from Arrow Films. Wish I'm showing the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> Works excellent. Um... But this is a this is a Paramount release at the time, and it was, um, it was I think it was quite a good relationship between um, the Marx Brothers and the Paramount. Uh, Pidge's studio they had five films with them Um, previously they were on stage um, as a as a as a sort of comedy family act Mm. Um, so yeah by the heart Marx Brothers we are talking about Harpo, Groucho Zeppo and Chico Chico.
1: In an unusual order, there. <laughs> it.
0: was. Zeppo
2: will be glad with his billing in the yeah. list, I think. Did
0: I say Zeppo first?
2: Zeppo came at least third, I think. Because I case. always
0: worry about forgetting him. I think that's why I mentioned <laughs> him first. Poor old Zepo. I, I,
2: I read that after this film, Zeppo went off and started a talent agency with Gummo. Because um. I think the MGM films were just the, the trio of Groucho, um, Harpo, right. and Chico. So, this was our last chance to see Zeppo and his artfully ripped shirt, I noticed, in the um, yeah. in the war scenes. Yeah. Oh, and this seems that. to be what, what Zeppo, one of the things that Zeppo brings to the Marx brothers.
1: It felt it took longer to get going than I was expecting it to. It doesn't sort of plunge you into mayhem or have sort of some, you know, golden gags right at the beginning to make sure you're. I don't know, it felt to me like it took slightly longer than I was expecting, as I remembered, but that might be just me.
2: I think it did, also the pace was slower, wasn't it? And I think Groucho felt rather, um, his, his set pieces do mm. feel a little like set pieces at the beginning. Mm. I think Chico and, and Harpo, when they're doing their um, physical comedy around the peanut stands, that mm. feels, that has more life and more kind of improvisatory feel to it more energy whereas some of groucho's stuff at the beginning does feel i think that added yeah. to your sense of it taking a while to get going there was a bit of a stilted declamatory part to which um he definitely warmed up as as the mayhem increased around him
0: it's I funny thought. isn't it yeah yeah exactly it feels like but there are all, there are details and slight adjustments that are made i think during those set pieces the camera might pan to the clock and back again or one of the marx brothers might enter the frame and just slightly, kind of shift their position. There is a bit of a leeway. It doesn't completely come to a standstill mm. and present you with a tableau. I think um, there is there is quite there are quite precise movements that are being made um, during that opening um, mm. sequence. I think um, and uh, those are quite those are that said those are quite different those those. Jokes that are, that are in mm. uh, sort of in frame in those long shots where it's all about the composition coming together versus the very intimate physical comedy that you have, yeah, around the peanut you know, stand between, uh, chico yeah. and harpo and uh, the vendor yeah
2: actually yes it's interesting in terms of that you, you do have some of those shots and some of the big sets that um mm-hmm. i think we, we've noticed where there's a real grandeur to some of those big wide shots and casts of thousands and that operatic kind of operetta feel which is very much part of the film but then you do have the more classic you know Chaplin esque framing of the two people full frame chucking stuff at yes. each other which is also very satisfying but um
1: I wonder who is this for. I mean, this, yeah, as it says, you know, we're informed on on the back of the DVD case that its you know, you know, plots are unimportant. It's the gag set pieces and one-liners that matter. But the plot could be much thinner, and and the gags could have been you know strung on it uh, equally effectively. It feels like it's got quite a lot of plot.
2: Yeah. No, and and that that does drive it along, um, and it does feel it's almost feels like a combination of a, of a fairly straight operetta about these these mm. two small kingdoms with then the zaniness, which is overlaid which yes. which for me i i enjoy that it works quite quite well i think i was surprised again yeah about the amount of plot that we were being given we yeah i have forgotten it how it's... much
1: of an operetta it really is sort of gilbert sullivan yeah i mean, the song is yeah um...
2: and i think um i assume that margaret dumont's doing her own vocals but i mean it certainly mm. plays to I did enjoy Margaret Dumont as the straight woman with mm. with um, Groucho, and and that that interplay between them, I think, it's really she she does she does straight woman very well. I, I was think. and it, her charming smile.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that. It's basically actually about yeah her role about that yeah the straight the straight person role, mm-hmm. and if it's uh, I probably can't think of any specific examples, but I feel there are other cases probably from this time where you would have the straight person, but who gets kind of who gets allowed to have a couple of laughs I mean that's, yeah I mean laughs not at the character's expense yes whereas she really doesn't she's dumb?
2: so in character isn't she yeah. she so does that role but you kind of get a sense of the performer enjoying that as well it's it's um which I think is part of the pleasure
1: could you say it's a little bit like she's you know she thinks she's in a different film <laughs> i mean you know her, yes, character. her character
2: no absolutely <laughs> um, um and i think that that prequel not, not the prologue where um the we we are set up that we are in fredonia and that they are in financial crisis and that she bizarrely has bailed them out once already and mm, the power of, mm. her, of her widow's fortune that little um it, it almost is another film isn't it and then mm. um slightly tongue-in-cheek yeah and then, was soon that wonderful picture of Groucho gazing winsomely up in <laughs> yes. statesman like Pose in the newspaper <laughs> lets us know what's what's coming, if we didn't know from the ducks in the pot at the beginning of
1: the yeah. mm. But it's interesting what needs to be explained and what doesn't. I mean if you know, because it goes further into constructing a plot that makes a kind of sense then it sort of strictly seems to need to mm. but then there's no explanation whatsoever of why why Groucho's character has for a moment, considered as appropriate candidate. <laughs> that you know, yeah, that, that doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's interesting, like yeah, I said in the context. I mean, I'm just asking the wrong question, but it, you know, because because like you say, it has it has given us a, a setup that has a reasonable amount of plot.
0: Yes. Yeah, we should probably briefly recap that because. Um, <laughs> Uh like you like you say, there is a surprising amount of plot but you are drawn immediately to the gags which kind of fragment film mm. to some extent. But it's yeah, it's uh it's a time of economic crisis and a time of strange political change because Groucho Marx of all people is elected as I don't know, I can't remember his official title if he's president uh of Freedonia. Yeah. Well, he's um, not even elected, is he? He's... They call him Your Excellency. Yeah. And it's this uh, small sort of Bavarian-looking castle-y town. <laughs> um, and then he ends up declaring war on um, a neighbouring nation or state mm. um, because the leader of that state is also the uh, a suitor, right? For, yeah. Uh, um... He's
2: aiming to take over the state, isn't he, by marrying... The um, Margaret Dumont character. Yeah, so he's... It does
1: sort of fall apart if you ask too many yes. questions because yes, he declares he declares war because he's insulted, uh, but in fact, um, it becomes sort of you know the the insult seems to have been all kind of amicably forgotten and then uh, you know and then when. When he remembers what particular insult that particularly upset him, which was upstart, <laughs> then it comes. But it's true that that there is political intrigue, and they are trying, trying to take over the each other's countries. But those two strands don't particularly. Um. We
2: have we have Chico and and um, Harpo as spies of the love rival, who is only a love rival in order to take over the country, don't we? Which is um, that that whole spying subplot is going on. Um, I think they largely go to war because Groucho's put down a month's deposit on the battleground. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're never going to get out of it after that. That's right. I was interested with the the war scenes, though, because I know there was um, criticism, just to mention Buster Keaton very briefly, Um, the general in 1926, which was about... 7 years before this one of the reasons why this is why it was considered to have been less successful in the 20s than it is now considered was the bleakness of the comedy around war yeah. and actually i was intrigued how much you know, there, there was quite a lot of bleakness in in this yes. these war scenes. There were, um, you know, Groucho yeah. shooting his own men and then mm. pay, paying off his secretary mm. not mm. to talk about it. And there yeah. it wasn't. But, it was quite dark, but mas- very silly. Yes. And all the the many costumes from the many eras of war. I mean, it was, yeah. very, it was yeah. pleasingly ridiculous. But it was quite dark and, no, and interesting. How did that come across at, at a time in 1933 when mm. Hitler was um, mm. really starting to get himself mm. together? You've got mm. all that satirizing mm. of. Um, of leaders and of um, big costumed marching and you know, yeah. I wondered how much yeah. that was playing into it yeah. as well at that time.
1: But that's right, but all that war stuff is happening also at the point so obviously the film is sort of is building up to its conclusion or its climax, but that's also at the point when it's the sort of highest density of gags. Yes. Um, and I suppose maybe that's that's what I mean. Maybe I just have a short attention span, but I could have kind of <laughs> done with some place I could have done with a with a with a faster rhythm of gags. You know, through the film as a whole, I Mm. found that there were bits where the narrative—it's not like the Great Dictator or something, where the narrative is like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, this is fine," but I'm not. You know, I don't know. There
2: there were scenes that you felt were just narrative scenes rather than just a little bit woven in. um, Just
1: slightly slower than I would have. I mean, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I don't. Don't want to be cast in the role of. Having a go at the Marx Brothers and, or at Leah <laughs> <and> McCary. or who, <laughs> sure. but yeah, but I had that experience that I felt there are there are more or less more and less rewarding kind of sequences and and for me the sections of the film that are most rewarding are where they do, um, kind of, kind of cram a hell of a lot in you know. Let yeah. I me mean, think something a bit later. I mean, something like Hell's Are Popping, as well as It's a bit later, isn't it? I, my, I watched that not that long ago. My memory of that again is this sense of gags in in, in every corner.
2: Absolutely, and, and and it was felt that it was not possible to even film that, wasn't it? Right before they made it, right. because the stage show was so crazy. Um, for Hell's Are Popping, and they clearly did a very yeah, good job. Yeah, but, but it had been considered unfilmable then, for that that dense and and chaotic reason.
1: Right. <laughs> but then my memory of this film was it was not that it was but it was yeah. It was, my memory of it was more densely gag-filled than the actual experience of having just watched it now, which is...
0: Yeah, I found that on subsequent viewings as well. Um, I first saw this film in L.A. with an American audience who were really into it uh... and were whooping and cheering throughout mm-hmm. and got all of the lines uh, and then watching it on my they particular own. particular bits that own... they really thought were hilarious that you didn't even... But it was difficult to discern, right? Um, but that, when you watch it with an audience like that, the laughter does pave over those more stilted moments. Mm. I that's think that's a really interesting point. Um, and and you
2: they need did, to they did, yeah. You
0: need to breathe. <laughs> you need to
2: breathe, and you need to allow space. If you are um, mm. watching it with an audience, mm. you can't put the gags too closely um, without the laughter um going over the top of the line, which means that you miss the next gag. So that's mm. that spacing. That's an interesting point that things that we now find a bit right. slow yes. watching it in a video home video context um, may have been paced for a big cinema full of laughing people. It's interesting as well with um, Leo McCary that he was someone who had come obviously from silent comedy, went on to make the awful truth in 1937, which was famously um the, the point at which Cary Grant discovered the more improvisatory way of working in cinema and and had initially asked to be taken off the film because he didn't like it and then discovered that this was actually something he was very keen on but the combination of that kind of improvisatory working um i was you know i felt actually this this seemed more scripted in some ways Mm. than i was expecting from that combination of the marx Mm. brothers who were famously um ad-libbing and and chaotic and mccary who even in Scripted classical mm. Hollywood screwball comedy would improvise on set. Mm. Um, yeah, it's actually rather more templated.
1: Is it? Is it the most famous set piece from this film, The Mirror gag? Almost definitely. Yes. Um, you know that, and then and also the whole gag with the hats and things yes. with the the, the oh, peanut stands. That's extremely wonderful, rehearsed.
2: Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much of that came from the their Vaudeville act because I mean, the, obviously, the Mirror is is a piece which you know, Chaplin did in The Floorwalker yep. in in 1916 i think Harold Lloyd did in um Marathon mm. 1919 and i was saw on online on a um, silentcomedymafia.com forum they were saying that there's an Alice Guy Blaché directed film from 1912 which right. has that routine right. so, and and clearly before that yeah, it came from it the stage be. so i'm um, and and then Harpo went on and did it with Lucille Ball in I Love Lucy in in the 50s so right. you've got that um mm-hmm. how much how often had they done that routine before this Mm. film? And and is that rehearsal something which had actually been happening for years on stage? Or was it, obviously, again, I'm sure they topped it up. Yeah. um, I'd love to know the history of that mirror routine within the Mm. Marx Brothers stage act, actually, Mm. where that came from.
1: And the hat thing, well, it's the water thing, like you say, but the hat thing is also like... um, It's also Waiting for Godot. They have the hat, like, gag thing, I think, in that, which is kind of... Yeah, I don't know, just all those... One well, of those various things coming off those early traditions yeah. you know, and going in really quite different places but still still keeping those sort of links there. The film proves that hats are funny.
0: Fat, hat, Different kinds of hats. Hats, hats are so funny. Different kind, They're very expressive and characterful,
1: aren't they? Yes. I think my favourite mm-hmm. is Croucho's enormous sort of um, bare skin, um, whatever you'd call that, sort of kind of Russian yes. soldier's helmet thing that's about four foot (laughs) tall yeah
2: they do have some amazing war hats and i think also the the running gag that goes through this film of harpo and his scissors Mm. just snipping everything off Mm. and there's so much play when zeppo comes in with half a hat with harpo having just left but then he takes the the tail off the um another one of groucho's hats furry hats (laughs) and um then decapitating the um what do you call them those rather martial german um helmets that the yes. the uh the soldiers of Fredonia have in
1: with the, the sort of brush with, on the top with a
2: brush on the top and then um Harpo chopping all those brushes off the top as well so um, yes there's an awful lot of comedy decapitation hat yes. potential in this yeah. one
1: you get little moments just thinking about that just after he's done that there's a bit so when the, then there's the gag of them playing as it were um in a glockenspiel on all the on all the um on the helmets of all yes. the various soldiers. And then when, when they're, um, then the soldiers are marching off and then um, Harper hits the last one on the head and it, it really looks like the guy, I don't know, just from the reaction of, of the actor who's hit on the head, I kind of at the moment of like, that looked like he probably did clonk him quite hard on the head. <laughs> uh, um.
0: I was, um, yeah, I was quite surprised. By the violence of Harpo's <laughs> character, the first time I watched this film. Yeah. He's my favourite Marx brother, and he has um, a delicacy to him because he was uh, a musician and he um, um, obviously was very well trained. And I think you can see in the banjo sequence, he might be the only one who's actually playing some chords oh. there. Um, but he's also got a, yeah, a, a violence to him as well. Um, and that obviously has been rehearsed, but for me there's quite clearly a danger mm. to those performances mm. you know no matter how well they've been rehearsed getting your scissors out chopping people's hair off you know um it puts this as an extra level of enjoyment there beyond laughing there's, there's yeah there's, there's a, a risk, a risk.
2: <laughs> i no, i think the Particularly in the scene we were talking about with the peanut stands, Harpo's character in that there's a there's a real menace, isn't there? Um, which I think more so than in I haven't seen all <laughs> anywhere near all Marx Brothers films, but like he doesn't have this. This seems to be the most menacing that I've mm. seen him. That kind of the combination of of the big smile mm. and the real steel yeah. behind mm. it, particularly in that scene and and that that poor man with his hats being continually put on the. Um, mm the roasting flame on, on the peanut stand. Um, I can't uh,
0: help but think of Chaplin's lynching street scene um, where there's the hanging uh, on, on the lamppost.
2: I haven't seen that. Um,
0: but, I, so. I, yeah, the, the, I did feel a little bit sorry for the street. Oh, founder. yeah. Uh, he's bullied. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Particularly to the point where Harpo actually comes out with a bath. <laughs> uh, yeah, that
1: moment is great. Because you're just waiting for him to appear from somewhere. But, yeah. From, um, it's sort of a stupid thing to say, but about, you know, the extent to which it's dated, because of course, you know, nobody makes films like this now. But, um,
0: I mean, the, the dated part for me is, is the misogyny, really. Uh, that's the, that's the, the most obvious, um, uh, those parts are, are not just old hat, they're a bit distasteful, I mm. think. Um. There's a nastiness to those parts as yeah. well. Yeah,
2: and that that is part of Harpo's character. I, think. I mean, obviously Groucho is the one who has the most obvious on-screen um, engagement with women and with Margaret Dumont's character. But mm. I think the whole business of of yeah, Harpo just. Following the women. No, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. uh, whenever anyone appears, and, and that whole, you know, that send help. If you can't send help, send two women. And mm. Harpo holds up two fingers, mm. send three women. Mm. It is, mm. um, in some ways, I find Groucho's relationship with Margaret Dumont, and possibly it's because I do get a sense that it's kind of a fun interaction between those two performers. I find that less uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, than I mm. do more of the Harpo stuff, that's like, um, and obviously. And um, the very glamorous lady in her mirror dress. Um,
0: Is it because Harpo doesn't necessarily interact, he just does?
2: Yes, I think that's the, for, for me, I mean, you know, I am I think you know, I'm sure you, you can take down pretty much all the portrayals of and interactions with women in this film. Um, but I think in terms of the the level of uncomfortableness for me as a viewer, definitely yes. Harpo's um, slight distance from and pursuit of and, yeah, lack of a, an ongoing interactive
1: bit. I mean I mean sort of, actually the,
2: a... the scene with the woman and the horse with Harpo I find less because it's so silly <laughs> he's in bed the horse is there she'll be fine he's, you know but, but um the previous woman the I mean, the um lady yeah. who seems to be married to the lemonade stand vendor yeah. who is the big angry man throughout yeah. the film that um is yeah somewhat yeah. scary and him trying to pull her into the cupboard with him and all of that kind of stuff and the secretary yeah. in the um office of the ambassador who was the love rival for mm. margaret dumont um when yeah. harpo mm. just basically follows her cleavage as she walks yeah. out of the room yeah um i feel like possibly I'm, I'm i'm letting groucho off rather too lightly in this way but i just i i enjoy margaret dumont so much that um and she there's seems, a resistance she's kind of she seems she seems okay she kind of seems in control you know she's um so for me, I I I, mm. I'm, I find that a pleasurable yeah uh, interaction to watch. Whereas, yeah, some of those other things uh, in the film, um yeah, are not.
1: I was thinking just in in the, you know in, in the edits, there are certain edits that aren't, aren't particularly smooth. As, you know, they're doing some big kind of routine and people have fully shifted yes. around. But it doesn't. I don't know. This is me. I'm like it doesn't quite feel like um, that. That's a result of. You know, trying to capture something which was sort of live and you know spontaneous, and so it would be different. Different takes. It does feel very constructed for the. Yes. For the edit, you know. Absol- for no, the...
2: absolutely. I think it does. It does feel. Um yeah not necessarily storyboarded in the sense of actually storyboarded but yeah it feels like they've got the wide they've got the close Mm. and they're picking it up from that point Mm. it's interesting in in this era you do have more of those mismatch things where people have slightly moved off Mm. their spot or whatever and Mm. i don't know whether some of it is quite simply it's just like we're getting this film out to a schedule and you know we're as long as it's kind of okay i think i wonder whether there was more audience tolerance for that Mm. kind of slight continuity mismatch Mm. in placing and and in movement and stuff Mm. that um because there's a you do see a lot of that in these early 30s talkies i think as well because you were i wonder whether it to a degree it's to do with the new technology of working with sound and that you're limited by the sound that you're working with and sometimes that's dictating a cut point in a way that in a silent film you you might have been able to make it slightly yeah. nicer yeah it's interesting on this restoration actually that the sound is all very smooth and sounds very lovely and and previously when i'd seen it there's partic- one of the scenes at the um the peanut stand um, where Chico has got his dog, um, and there's clearly a line which has been overdubbed. He turns away and says mm. something about the dog while looking at mm. the dog, and that the sound quality of that line right. is very different. Right. Um, and you, it, there is more of a sense that it's been, it's a slight ragbag, and that they are, mm. you know, it, it's not as smooth. And I think this mm. lovely restoration mm. has smoothed yeah. the sound out, Um so it's, it's a, it's a much smoother watch. But yeah. the possibly older versions of it reveal the some of the maybe the difficulties of the hmm. sound I mean, it's new the, technology
1: there's quite a lot of post sync in the film though more than i was, I was expecting yes
2: and some of the um, the lip sync is is quite off isn't it hmm. as well particularly in some of those early scenes it's um it comes and goes yeah which really points up that
1: that but then post-sync. that would slightly either like go against your or, or well Either, or they're making the best of a bad job, and they were trying to do sync yes. sound, and they could, and it went so. Or if they were not assuming that they were, um, or if they were always planning to 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 dub those scenes, then they wouldn't have had yes the restrictions because
0: there's a flexibility there as well, a disjuncture between sound and image. I'm just thinking about when Harpo trashes the uh, um, um the speaker. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it still it won't die. It just keeps yes, playing, really which won't. you know
1: is a very old joke. I don't know how old it was at this point. But I'd, I'd forgotten the film. I, I I was almost expecting the gag to be that it wasn't the the, the I was expecting the, I was expecting an orchestra to be yes, outside a band <laughs> outside. The, I thought
2: he was going to chuck that, that, yes. that radio and it was going to hit the orchestra that yes. was outside, and I was quite disappointed when that didn't happen. Because <laughs> the too. sound mix had led me to expect <laughs> me too. that absolutely.
1: We haven't. We really talked about Chico at all.
0: No.
2: Chico's really interesting. I was something that occurred to me watching it this time um, is Chico is almost the straight man sometimes, but it, he also has his scenes where he's not. Obviously, he gets to do his bit, but quite often he functions as the as the straight man in in the routines, I think, which because um, obviously he's from the Italian comic, and so there was early in the century many vaudeville acts were based on so keaton's family act were based on the fact that they were irish caricature irish people you had dutch comedians who were caricatured german and so um chico being an italian comedian mm. was a thing um in a way that it's not now and and so it's almost like his thing has is less there than um mm. The thing that distinguishes him I mean obviously Zeppo is the one where we're still wondering what distinguishes yes, Zeppo exactly yes. but but um yeah I mean, it's I mean, it's interesting uh, in terms of what you were saying about what dates mm, I wonder whether Chico's mm, persona is yes. something that reads quite differently now in a way that Harpo's and Groucho's um, have stayed more consistent um, yeah, through the years
1: but maybe that sort of New York sort of yeah, you know italian what's thing which groucho mm. hat that that has actually it's morphed into other things but maybe that's yeah that mm. has actually stayed or has more of a of a heritage that we can still recognize whereas mm. yeah Chico, which is an aspect of the same thing yes then, but it hasn't
2: definitely um, and, and and i mean his hat is sustained. was was worn by other italian italian mm. in, in inverted commas comics that kind of yeah, yeah it's mm. the Gra- groucho's um new yorker image yeah has remained fairly constant hasn't it you, you as you say you still recognize that in a way
1: you know chico's gags about um uh, the you know the linguistic gags in the courtroom scene where he's yeah. he's he, he, it seems like the character is deliberately misunderstanding that seems to be seems to be how it works right because he, he has some line about oh i'm doing well i so so yes. it's not that he's he's not meant to actually not understand what people say but that that wouldn't work without his accent and that's
2: that. Yes, his accent's part of that, isn't it? But yeah. as you say, it's not that he's a stupid Italian man. The gag is that he does wordplay and he does deliberate misunderstanding. Yeah. And, and then I love, I don't know how it fits into the persona in that way, but um, when were you born? I don't remember. I was a little baby. <laughs> it's just wonderful. It's my favourite um, Chico line in this film, I think. That, that lovely logic that they have, which is...
0: Maybe that's what he brings, uh, a logic uh, mm. in his wordplay, that you don't have so much with, with Groucho, right? I don't know, the word, there's wordplay with both of them, but it's, it seems to be more direct with, with Chico's character.
2: I have to tell you my um, Buster Keaton Marx Brothers quote. Yes. Um, should you care to hear it? Because um, when, when they were at MGM later in the 30s, Keaton was one of their gag men, briefly, um, when he was down on his lap and working for hundred dollars a week and he said when you hired the marx brothers the first thing that you did was to hire three assistant directors one for each marx brother and to get them all on the set at the same time was an event that part of the challenge of working with the marx brothers at least at that point in time was just getting them all on the stage but um the interesting thing is he remarked about how much they they would they weren't bothered about what was coming up in the next scene they just would ad lib it the, right. in terms of what we're discussing in terms of what was structured what was pre-planned and what was ad-libbed certainly as he chose to tell the experience of working with them they were not concerned about the um, structure or the, or the narrative of their films. They right. were going to turn up and do their thing and mm. they were quite happy to ad-lib. Mm. Um, and that, that craziness is, is not fame. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but does that mean that the whole the whole gag about Greg Show's arrival, you know, they, late he's always on his... time and he's massively late, is that about One, them, one you know? suspects that was an in-joke <laughs> for anyone who had like, worked with yeah. the Marx Brothers. Yes,
2: <laughs> I, think, I think it may well be.
1: I
0: like that. Well, Polly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank Um, you for
2: having me. That's been a great pleasure.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're a font of knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Random facts. (laughs) I guess we'll be back soon with another film. As usual, we don't yet know what it is. But it's going to be something that's been recently released or reissued on DVD and Blu-ray. Please like and subscribe. We're on iTunes, Podbean and Spotify. And follow us at Discursion Film on Twitter. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.